Life Remixed. Right. Hi, everyone. It's Mark Wilkinson here. It's Straight Talking, another episode. It's 7.30 p.m. here in, uh, in London. Uh, it's uh, it's one, my absolute pleasure. It's, it's one of the uh, most amazing people I'm going to get to talk to through this whole, um, this whole time, all these interviews we're doing. Uh, I've got Lorraine Hahn with me today, who's uh, been CNN International Regional Chat Show host for Talk Asia uh, and also anchor of Business Asia's Business Asia, as well as working with CNBC. Um, she's met some amazing people, and we're going to talk uh, a lot about uh, the life in Hong Kong at the moment, life in Asia, our careers, 2020, how things have been going for all of us. Uh, and we're going to be talking uh, and getting some really, really interesting info. So first of all, hi, Lorraine. How are you? Fine, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, bless you. Thank you for being here. I really, I really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, 2020. How's it been for you so far? Well, let's put it this way. I've lost just about all my projects, my jobs. Um, they've been delayed indefinitely, obviously. Um, I actually flew to Vancouver to quarantine myself for a big job in San Diego with Michelle Obama, David Cameron, you know, Deepak Chopra, blah, blah, blah. Five days before the event in March, cancelled. Oh. So, you know, it was, it was, it's been a real bummer, actually. And um, obviously, as you know, reading the newspapers at the moment, Hong Kong isn't doing so well. We are in our fourth wave. And uh, unfortunately, we're in a semi-lockdown right now. But, um, you know, I guess the good thing is you spend time with your husband or my spouse, my husband, yeah. and our two English bulldogs. So. Oh, okay. So they'll keep you busy. Very and um, and so so semi lockdown in Hong Kong would mean no restaurants, no no socialising. Um, yeah, like the usual social distancing, mandatory masks. Um, restaurants are closed at six pm. Oh. Only two to a table. Um, golf courses are closed. Ah, yes. Uh, yes, we'll talk about golf. Yeah. I mean, all, all those things that they've just closed. So yeah, yeah it's ba basically staying at home, really, because we've had a couple of cases where the young people who have recently died in their 40s who were healthy, they had no uh, chronic illnesses and they passed away rather quickly. So mm. I'm wondering what's going on with this virus. Has it mutated or, you know, has it, is it that infectious? We don't know. I heard 2020 described as the year that be, to be grateful for what we have yes. uh, before we can get back to our goals of uh, our goals, our dreams, our mission, you know, um, because uh, it has literally just been sort of like, you know, just hunker down and, and you know, just yep. be grateful for what you've actually got currently and then look to extend from there. Uh, I mean, obviously, the world's hoping out or holding out for this vaccine or the vaccines uh, to take away a lot of the fear, certainly from from the older generations. Um, you know, I hope I hope that we can move past this fear. I've read a lot about um, Napoleon Hill, for instance, Think and Grow Rich. And in there, he talks about how the world lurches from crisis to crisis every seven to 10 years. And there's always a fear. It was a fear of no money in 2008-9. Now it's a fear of ill health and death. And of course, you know, there's, t there's some terrible stories out there. And I appreciate that. Of course I do. Um, I just no, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, I would assume because I'm obviously you're in London or in the UK, and in Asia and, you know, Japan, Korea, the U.S., Germany now that's gone into a lockdown. Yeah. You know, um, we're all facing the same thing. So it's a global phenomenon. Yeah. And um, 
But the only thing is, obviously, I, I hate to live in fear. Mm. And so we try our best to maintain some sort of decency and uh, normalcy um, as best we can, but under the circumstances. And therefore, then you just don't go stir crazy. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, potential mental health issues around this kind of uh, staying at home where we just... It's just not good for us, you know. I mean, it's, it's don't get me wrong. It's good to connect with our loved ones and and be grateful and look after that. But yeah, I mean, Germany. I heard Germany have cancelled Christmas now, basically, and, and yes. you know nobody's going anywhere basically in Germany. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens uh, here in the UK. In all honesty, I think London uh, we're probably going into tier three if we haven't already, uh, which for us means like you know semi lockdown again, if you like. Um, and then of course, you know, uh, <laughs> my wife and I had a, a beautiful. Um, uh, winter sunshine uh, holiday booked in Phuket for uh, three weeks in Christmas and <laughs> that's gone um, so that's gone back 12 months um, but you know it is what it is you know I mean I was talking to one of my friends and I was saying essentially you know we're struggling because the gyms close or because we can't fly somewhere but really it's first world problems isn't it because there's people you know there's people starving in the world and you know we're moaning about the gym and the holiday but anyway listen uh you know keep safe and and stay healthy of course uh we need you we need you lorraine we need you back uh meeting and grilling <laughs> grilling these top people um so as far as uh, music goes because obviously you know a bit about me and life remixed i was a dj still am a little bit but uh i was a dj at ministry of sound when i was 25 traveled to 65 countries hong kong in singapore etc included over there but your kind of music what, what's the thing that gets uh, gets you moving oh i'm i'm gonna date myself here um, I've always been a, a fan of, of, of black music, you know, Motown, oh, yeah. um, stylistics, you know. Um, I like McCartney with his band yeah. on the run when I was in, still in school. That, that song really, every time I listen to it, it just sends shivers down my spine because I just can imagine myself in school listening to that song over and over <laughs> again, you know. Yeah. Um, obviously, Luther Vandross, to me, oh. is probably one of my most favorite singers. Um, his song, uh, Dance With My Father, is a very emotional mm. song for me. Uh, it, it means a lot um, to me personally, because I just lost my father a few years ago and, and my mother this year. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, to me, in, in a nutshell, it, it really makes you aware that, like you, uh, I spent a lot of my time traveling and working. That was my focus for, for 30 years mm. and they were living in Vancouver and I obviously had moved to Hong Kong to get my work and my job. So I, I really had a chance to go back and, and see them. And I often tell people, you know, you really have to rethink this about life. Um, and that is spending time is not really a given. It, you really should mm. try and make an effort because when it's gone, you can't get it back. That's right. And that would be a, a probably a slight regret in my life because I am the only child. So, um, you know, they were basically everything. And, you know, a lot of times when you have to work uh, in the news, they don't give you uh, Christmas, New Year, Chinese New Year off. Not necessarily. It's not a given. Um, so, you know, a lot of times um, during the festive times, I was actually working my butt yeah. off. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that's... Uh, no, I, I think you're right. I think for me, music is the sound of emotions. You know, it's the sound. It can take you back to a time and a place. It can, it can, it can uplift you, or it can remind you of a beautiful moment or something like that. And 
very much that that black soulful sound is where I came from in, in the eighties. It was, uh, I was, I've always been a soul boy. Um, you know, I might have this white specky face, but I'm basically a soul boy. Um, and, um, you know, soul music was massive here in the, in the UK and, and yeah, and that's how I went into house music and, and everything. It's kind of the path that I've, I've trodden. Uh, but yeah, music is the sound of emotions. And uh, obviously, you know, I'm sorry to hear about, about your mother and father. And yeah, I mean, it's, it, you, you kind of, when you, when you love what you do, I think that it's so easy for it to just sort of, it just overtakes your life if you're not careful. And I think you're right that sometimes we have to take that moment. Um, I'm going to see my mother this evening to see how much I must, <laughs> I must do that. Um, I will do that. I will do that. So, no, we you know, take a lot of things for granted. Yeah, we do. Especially when you're young, you're starting off, you know, everything is career focused. Mm. And that's your number one priority. And you always think your parents will live forever. Mm. I did, you know, and. Uh, yeah. It's not the case, but anyway. No, that's right. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's it's just how we live, isn't it? We ha- we, we do our best, you know, and, and we move forward all the time. I mean, as you know, Life Remixed is a bit about, you know, this is how much fun I had because I did have a lot of fun. But then this is how bad it got when I ended up with an incurable disease and bankruptcy and then all the things I did to fix it. Um, you must have been through challenges yourself. You must have been through, particularly working for yourself or working in these highly politicised organizations like cnn and cnbc etc you know how was it you know what happened when you had challenges there must have been career change there must have been you know moments where you had problems well i don't know if i would call them problems because Mm. i was actually quite lucky i was embraced by some of the top brass in both of these networks so i was one of the lucky ones um when i came in when i first started obviously there weren't that many asian females on telly Mm. Uh, they are now, which I'm very, very helpful, uh, happy for. And mm. I've always been pushing for that, to have more Asian faces on, on the television screens. Um, and it's happening now. Um, but, you know, I think the hardest problem for me, at least working in Asia, was that when you go to certain countries and like, let's say, Korea or even Japan, for that matter, um, they're very chauvinistic mm. and um, they still are. So, you know, um, Hmm. if I was leading the crew there um, and some PR agent would come and say, okay, you you know, we're waiting to interview your boss, like the chairman of Hyundai or something. And they would direct their questions, not at me, but at like my cameraman who doesn't speak English, but he's he's Chinese and he's a man, you know, and he'd say, "Uh, I think you better ask her. And they like, look at me, you know, and I'm like, yeah, you know, so there's a lot of that still that's difficult and you, you need to penetrate up obviously it's better mm. than when it was 30 years ago but it's it's definitely a a, a, a an issue for yeah. uh asian women that's amazing i mean that's it, that just in itself that's, that's you know not something that obviously that we, i think we all have so many different experiences don't we you know there's that the whole uh the whole piece with black lives matter etc for instance you know it's you know i can't I, I want to relate and I want to be that man of the world and I want to give up, you know, I could never relate to, to someone else's story. And it's very difficult for me to understand that anybody would act that way towards you as a, as, as who you are and what you do. And yet you still found that even that's, it's pretty, yes. it's pretty amazing. And, and, you know, so, so do you, I mean, how did you handle that? Obviously you kept your call and you. No, I just say, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, I can answer your questions. I mean, I'm polite about it, you know, mm-hmm. and just deal with it there and then, and then, wait for the boss to come so I can do the interview and get out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yes, no, I understand that. I really do. I really do. And so as far as like, you know, interviewing, you know, you've interviewed some amazing people. You've interviewed, I mean, you've you mentioned a few names at the start and, and business leaders, heads of state, famous personalities who, you know, yeah. what kind of names really stick out to you that, that you know, you, that you were, you were suitably impressed by? Oh, there's, there's many. Um, uh, I, I really liked Elton John, Sir Elton John, because he was an unusual case because um, in hindsight he was, because uh, first of all, we're not, nobody's allowed to touch him. You're not allowed to put a mic on him, nothing, all right? So we had to use okay. a boom mic. Yeah. And uh, anyway, the interview went very well. I was told, you know, normally at the end we shake hands or something, right? Um, so I was warned prior to that, no shaking hands, nothing, you know, just thank him very much. And it was a great interview. He was really a very interesting and very intelligent man. Um, and then at the end, he sort of hugged me and kissed me. And I said, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to wash the left side of my cheek for like a week. You know, I got this girly stuff. But the next day, he had flown directly to Taiwan. And for some odd reason, some of the paparazzis there or the news people there really upset him. And he was on the news, the local news that day, and he started swearing at them, basically. So I was like, yeah. I'm glad I, glad I didn't upset him in Hong Kong. <laughs> you know, um, this, And the other one that probably sticks out is um, um, uh, Henry Kissinger, former Secretary of State, you know, I had to do an interview with him uh, in my early days uh, on China. And this guy wrote the book on China. I mean, he went to China when I was a toddler kind of thing, you know. So I was I was really worried and he was not in a good mood, I was told. So that was a, that was a very stressful interview. Um, Tiger Woods, of course, uh, gave me a tip or two on my seven iron, uh, which, <laughs> which till today I cannot perfect. So, you know. We'll talk about yeah. golf and clubs in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, well, that's, I mean, those three there, I think we could probably, we could talk a lot about those guys. I mean, first one, Elton John, um, Rocket Man. Have you seen Rocket Man, the film? Of course. What of course. a film that is. It was, it was indeed. What that, a film. Yeah, it really was. I, I enjoyed it anyway. I enjoyed that. And I also enjoyed the, uh, the queen one as well. Um, oh, yes. Yes. Malik, yes. Yeah. That was amazing. Both of those films were so powerful and just brought that music back to me, to be fair, because being a, being a soul boy in the eighties, I didn't really connect with that music that much, but actually just listening back. And I remember I've actually used one of the quotes from Elton John, um, in the film, uh, in life remixed where he basically says, I, I was, I started being a, something at age 14 and I just forgot to stop um and that's, ba that's basically what I did I just didn't do it with quite as much money and I, w I was playing other people's records rather than making and writing the records he was but I, I just remember you know I, I identify a lot with that story a lot with Rocky Man and a lot with that story and what what a guy what a guy to to write those songs and and to be out there doing that those kind of performances yeah I mean yeah I, I want to you know, Henry Kissinger and Tiger Woods, I'd love to talk about them as well. But the one thing that really jumps out of me from what you just said is uh, comfort zones. Uh, and, uh, you know, what, what, someone said to me once that nothing of note was ever uh, achieved inside a comfort zone. Uh, and you must have been, there must have been moments when you're interviewing, as you said, you're interviewing these guys and, and, and women, of course, all around the world and all these people, you're Michelle Obama, you mentioned earlier, et cetera, and Deepak Chopra, you're interviewing these people and you must be miles outside of your comfort zone. Oh yeah. When I was with, uh, Schwarzenegger, um, I was like, 
oh my god you know his persona it has already when you before you even meet him you know it's like oh is he gonna be like mean you know but he was all right he was cool um also you know very soft-spoken type of guy it was like oh is that sylvester <laughs> oh no not sylvester schwarzenegger yeah schwarzenegger. i was like oh, yeah. arnold yeah. yeah yeah i was like huh you were expecting the terminator and he, he turned up i was <laughs> i was indeed yeah i was indeed but yeah you know I, i've done so many to be honest with you because of the time i've spent working mm. you know there's so many for whatever reasons each one of them um is very special you know mm. we had i don't know if you know christina noble and her charity foundation she was an irish lady who was uh homeless and she started a charity organization that spans mostly Cambodia and, you know, uh, the ASEAN region. And she's done very well for, for herself and helping orphans and so on and so forth. She, she struck a note with me too. I recently played a charity golf event uh, to help with the donations to her foundation, actually. So, yeah, so, so many, you know, some things I forget, you know, some things I remember, but, um, yeah, it's just everyone is interesting mark it's so it's so hard to just tell you kissinger was interesting how tiger woods was but there's so many of them um yeah i'm just i'm i've been very blessed i've been very honored to have met them of course some of them now have passed on mm-hmm. uh, luciana provarotti is gone you know a lot a lot of these um big names that i managed to interview have have left you know stanley hose of macau you know all these people i i mean he wouldn't do the interview with me stanley ho um, that's Macau, the Macau uh, uh, tycoon. Unless I danced with him at, at the end of the show. I'm like, uh, I can't ballroom dance. Then they're like, just try. Just do your best. <laughs> just have a go. Move, <laughs> out, move outside the comfort zone. Yeah. But you did it. Oh, I made, uh, oh, I made the uh, chairman of HSBC sing, Oh, Danny Boy, on TV. David Elmer, El, yeah, Eldon, super nice guy. Anyway, yeah, just different things that happen in my life, you know? It's interesting because I, I do a lot of coaching and, and, you know, I help a lot. I do business coaching, you know, life coaching, happiness and health coaching, all kinds of stuff. Um, and, and one of the things I, I try and, you know, I'm trying to get people to sort of step up and move into their new areas of their life and, and overcome those kind of like those jitters and those kind of fear factors and everything else. And you clearly have done that, and you know, on a almost like a daily basis, you know, if not a daily or a weekly basis. Um, and, uh, you know, I often say to people, you know, you know, you realize that there's like 6 billion people on the planet and you are, there's not another one like you, <laughs> you know, you are utterly, utterly unique. And you have the opportunity to do something special with your, with your God-given talents, right? Yeah, I was, I was really very lucky. I mean, I didn't even think I'd be getting into television network news. I think it's just the right timing. You know, in the 80s, um, I started with radio. So, you know, I thought, oh, okay, maybe I'll give TV a shot. And then think it was just luck. learn everything from scratch. Do you think it was luck or do you think it was focus and determination? Oh, I, and I, I guarantee you there was luck in there. Okay. I guarantee you, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's hard to get a television job, an mm-hmm. uh, on-air job. And um, at that time, and even now, more so. Probably worse, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there's so much talent out there. And, and the people nowadays, they're good. You know, um, they've had background, you know, uh, learning and so on and so forth. I didn't. I started out as a rookie and I learned everything from scratch. I worked seven days a week, every day. You know, I was the, 
I remember I moonlighted for Cathay Pacific on-air video on the, t on, the, on the planes when airplanes launched video screens. So I'm dating myself now, but yeah. And we didn't have any auto cues or anything. We spent weekends memorizing seven hours of script so that we could, that, that you would, that you, if you sat on Cathay Pacific and you switched on the TV, you'd only be seeing me and whatever music video that was playing or, you know, a tourism video that was showing of uh, Phuket or whatever. Yeah. But everything was, was memorized, you know? Yeah. So we spent hours and hours. That's a, after your day job, by the way. Well, that is commitment, isn't it? That is commitment. That is focus. That is, you know, I, I understand the word luck. I really do. Um, you know, and right place, right time and that kind of stuff. Definitely. Um, you know, people may say the same about me as a DJ and a record producer with a top 10 hit. I, I uh, remixed uh, Lou Reed and David Bowie and put it in the top 10 here in UK, Satellite of Love. Huh? So, you know, I've done a few things myself and people would say, well, that was lucky. And, and you go, OK, well, yes, the elements, of course. But I played my part too, right? I mean, you know, I was, I was, I was I in the right my... place. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I think i paid my dues yeah i mean that amount of commitment to memorize you know that amount of information on a weekend for instance when everyone else is out you know having meals and, and talking with their friends or whatever and you're actually like no no got to get this done you know yeah i didn't i i didn't go out at all i was working non-stop um yeah i lost a few f college friends from that because they obviously moved on and had girlfriends boyfriends and got married and so on you know, I, a lot of times I couldn't even attend the weddings because I was working. Mm. Well, you know, I, I remember when I was DJing when I was DJing around the world, same kind of thing. I'd be DJing in Russia, or you know, and when I say Russia, I mean the back of beyond in Russia. I've been to, I've been all over Russia. I'm just picking that out, but everywhere I've you know wherever I've been, and I'd be on a Saturday night sitting in my hotel room, you know, getting ready to go to a gig, eating dinner on my own, thinking thinking this is so glamorous. <laughs> exactly not really you know but, exactly. but the payoff the payoff to actually be paid to do what you love and actually perform in front of a few thousand people or in your case you know worldwide with the, with that you know uh television kind of opportunities that payoff is good enough that you would choose to do it right i mean you know yeah no i agree yeah my friend said why, why don't you go out we, i said why don't you call they said but you're always working so that's why we didn't call you yeah, yeah. so you know yeah they i, I yeah, and I wasn't. I remember when mobile phones first came out and I'd be talking to my friends. They're like, we're all down the pub. We're doing this, we're doing that. I'd be like, nah, I'm somewhere else. <laughs> so uh, um, I, I can cool. relate. Yeah, exactly. And, and But most people wouldn't necessarily relate to that. They, they you know, just think, they, they just see the glamorous part and they don't necessarily see everything that goes on behind it. And I think that's the point. I think that's the point. The world, like, congratulates you when you get there. But actually, they don't see the sort of hard work that it takes to actually like perform, you know, and do that. Yeah, the journey. The journey is not easy. No, no. Not easy at all. But is it work when you love it? Yeah, still. But yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's so, so, challenging. Sorry, challenging. It's, it's challenging. It's, it's very challenging because you have to do a lot of reading. Hmm. A lot of reading and you've got to you know, remember stuff and, you know, like, like you, like what you're doing right now, you got to remember a bit of stuff about me to talk to me. Otherwise it's not a conversation. It's just a Q and A. And that doesn't, you. Yeah, ugh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that doesn't make it interesting anymore. Right. If that's the case, throw me 10 questions, I'll answer it. And then we say, good night. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. it's, good, it's, it's, it's not a conversation. Yeah. The hardest part of any journalist 
on-air journalists is, is to make sure there's a conversation going, which is a lot of times uh, a challenge. Because obviously your interviewees are nervous too, depending on the subject matter, you know, and you're trying to break the ice, but you're trying to get information. You're trying to get that, that sound bite, you know, that you want or your boss wants. You know, it's, it's so many things that, that happen that um, people just don't realize, you know. You're having to think on your feet, essentially. Uh, yeah. I, I had someone I was interviewing the other day, um, or rather, sorry, they were interviewing me about the book. Uh, and we literally had this conversation. It just went on for, well, similar to this, just went on and on. It was great. It was beautiful. And it was a great conversation. And by the end of it, I was almost, I was almost getting ready to kind of like apologize for being too talkative. Um, and they said to me, no, 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 don't worry. Because quite often we get on these kind of conversations and it's like, we get a one word answer. <laughs> like there's no good. Yeah. No, it's no good for a chat show. So anyway, um, I was interested in your in your obviously you know uh, you were obviously on chat shows and and as news anchors etc. You're not allowed to offer any kind of opinions in in some of those roles. That must have been challenging, mustn't it? Um, yeah, I mean you know it, it, as a as a journalist you're supposed to be unbiased and report the facts. Hmm. That's what you're taught, right? So we try and balance the facts and try and get the different points of view so that the viewer can make up their own mind as to what they believe or what they think that person, whether that person is telling the truth or not. Um, to be fair, Mark, nowadays it's slightly different. There's a lot of uh, editorial and opinion pieces now on the news and different networks around the world. So it's, it's a different, almost like a different genre. Um, it, during my time as old school journalism, you know, basically you stick to the format and you, and you know, you do your best to get, the, the information out as factually and as unbiased as possible. Mm. Right now, um, um, I'm sure you're watching different networks and you can see a lot of the uh, anchor or um, talk show hosts are very opinionated, mm. uh, especially in the United States. And uh, it's a different genre. And people want to hear what they want to think. That's fine. But during my time, uh, you're right. I, I, I was more confined and constricted um, just by the mere fact that, you know, times were different then, you know, and it's interesting with like 24 hour news channels now, uh, you know, back, back in the day when I was a kid, I, I remember that, that that didn't exist. You know, you watch the news once for half an hour at the end of the day or whatever, and, and you've got an update, but you know, with 24 hour news channels and particularly you mentioned the States, you know, um, our, our two extremes would be, um, you know, sort of kind of like Fox news, you know, I know there's even, well, that way in it. And it's even further right wing than Fox News, but you'd have Fox News. And then I, I, I quite enjoy watching uh, Michael Moore documentaries, who pro- too. probably couldn't be more more left wing, I guess, you know, if you look at it that way. And you, know, you look at that, you know, there's a lot of opinion out there, isn't there? Um, and then it's, then it's hard to like think about the facts or trying to, trying to get through the facts. I mean, I, uh, I find, I, I actually, I, I wonder about this question, but you know, there's quite a lot of negativity in the media. We tend to focus on, on the negativity. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, good news doesn't sell. Exactly right. <laughs> uh, you don't want to know about a, a flower pot that's, you know, thriving or a tree that's thriving. You want to know about the gory details of what happened on a street, you know, uh, how many people died, that sort of thing, you know. That, that's always been the case for some reason. And just people tend to want to listen to that stuff you know 
I think it's, it's an interesting thing about cause and effect. Um, and I always have to get this the right way around. Um, but human beings, we are the cause and the news media are the effect because their, their, their figures go up when there's a disaster, right? We, we all remember where we were for 9-11 or we, you know, the previous generation always remember where they were for JFK when he was shot. You know, it's just ingrained into us, isn't it? And the news media, all they're doing is feeding, feeding us, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I always use, tell my husband who's vegan, you know, and he loves to watch um, Food Network. And I said, listen, if you look at the content on Food Network, tell me how many vegan shows there are versus barbecued beef brisket, uh, pizza with extra cheese, uh, cakes galore, you know? I mean, it's just what people want to watch. I mean, if you put in all vegetarian and vegan shows, I bet you their, their ratings would drop pretty fast. I hear you. I do hear yeah. you. Yeah, it is, it's interesting, isn't it? It's just, it's just humanity and it's almost like sort of like group habit. We just, that's, that's just what we do. Um, and I'm always, I'm always interested. I love humanity. I'm fascinated by humanity, which is why I'm fascinated by you and your career and your job and, and everything that you've done over the years. Thank you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that 2021 is going to be a, a better year for you. How do you feel about that? Well, I hope so too, because I don't know how I'm going to handle it. Right. We haven't traveled. I've never not traveled in my life for nine months. Well, yeah. I mean, just never occurred, you know, uh, in sickness or in health. You know, it's never been this way. And I, we can't even go to Macau. That's like an hour drive. Well, you yeah. know, yeah. Never, mind, never mind crossing the border to Shenzhen, to China. No, not possible. So, and it seems to be getting worse, not better. So that's, that's a real problem. And, I, you know, a lot of friends, I mean, I've had a lot of friends who have had, who have passed away and I can't even go to the funeral. You know, mm. I'm just not allowed into the country. You know, so I, I can relate to to people missing their loved ones, whether they're family or friends, and not being able to connect. And I, to me, honestly, I've done a few Zoom calls. To be fair, a few Zoom projects and a few Zoom jobs. It's not the same. No. I'd like to shake your hand, Mark. I'd like to look in your eyes properly. Now I'm looking slightly aside, so I'm looking basically at the left side of your face. You know, so that I, I look good, or you know, I'm framed well on Zoom. But it's just not the same. Yeah. You know, it's, it, I, you know, um, I don't know. I just, I just really hope you're right. I hope it, the whole world figures it out, whether it's a vaccine or not, or something, or this herd immunity or whatever. I don't know. Just hope it writes out. I mean, we don't, we don't, we can't sit here and say we've got all the solutions. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's important that we make the best of every day. Uh, and there are opportunities uh, to connect at least, you know, I mean, we've, we, you know, we can connect like this, which, you know, I'm eternally grateful for because, um, I mean, I've actually been coaching with a guy here, a multimillionaire guy here, Kevin Green, and we've been using Zoom and I've been coaching people in Australia and all around the world uh, with Kevin. Um, and, and it's been a great tool. And then all of a sudden, come come February, March, I, Zoom was like the best kept secret. I used to use it quite a lot. And it was like quite, it was good. You know, I've been using it for a while, for about three years. And all of a sudden, it's like Zoom's just exploded into this thing. I mean, I don't know if you've seen Tony Robbins doing his UPW with like 10,000 people on, on a Zoom call and stuff like that. I mean, yep. it's incredible energy that, that, that's that been going on there. So, but as you say, it's, it's not the same. It, it, you know, you can't, replace we you know we're socializing beings you know we need we, we feed off people it's so much easier to believe in yourself when someone else believes in you you need that connection so we can sit here on screens and we can look at them and we can connect and talk and share good information of course 
Um, but I, I, I absolutely hear you. You know, a lot of, I mean, I've got a lot of friends. I'm going to come on to this actually as well. Um, I've got a lot of friends that are just purely in the music industry. Um, now, when I was made bankrupt um, 10, 12 years ago now, uh, I was 38 years of age, living in my mum's spare room, no money, nothing, you know, someone giving me like a, a gyro check, a welfare check. Um, but one of the things that Bob Proctor taught me, which was in part of the whole self-development thing, was uh, multiple sources of income. You must have multiple sources of income because that actually allows you to ride out any crisis. Now, I've been practicing this and getting myself up there. I, I was working at Heathrow Airport for a few years. I've done a lot of stuff in, uh, you know, in and around um, construction, all kinds. I've got, I've got 10 companies now. I'm not telling this to impress you. I'm just saying that actually I've got to a point where, you know, okay, so one of our event business has gone down and I'm not DJing very much, but that doesn't matter because actually I've got all these other things. Like we just bought another property today down in, down in Wales. Um, you know, I bought five properties in the last year, all in South Wales. And, it, 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 you know, I think multiple sources of income is really uh, an important thing for everyone to learn. But you've obviously, I mean, up to this point, as far as I'm aware, I mean, you've committed to television and, and everything else you were doing there. You're also doing public speaking um, and, uh, and various other projects, of course. So, but you must have, although you've been hit hard in this, in this thing, you know, multiple sources of income, is that something that kind of speaks to you that you, you understand you get? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for me, I'm, really focused more on that moderations and the summits and the conferences. Mm. And so I've been hurt pretty hard. Um, and, you know, I'm obviously I have savings and I've, you know, invested my money, so I'm, I'm okay, mm. you know, yes. but uh, I would, it's just really tough for, for me to find another kind of job that would excite me mm. as much as the career that I've built already. Course. you know it, it's 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 just it's difficult yeah i, th I yeah, think I, uh, multiple source of income if you can find various things that that can pay you like assets that can pay you money at certain times if if, if work if i could go back to my 20 year old self as a dj and say to my 20 year old self listen you want to be a dj that's great yeah you want to travel around the world brilliant crack on you know what i mean have a great time play records bring joy to people and it's all going to be amazing but make sure you're putting some money into assets and properties and things that are actually going to give you some income so that you can sleep well at night. Because when all the gigs went, yep. down Agreed. I went, down I went. Yeah. No, you got to have some uh, safety net somewhere. Some put it aside, even if it's 10 bucks, a hundred bucks or whatever, do it. Have the government helped over there? Has there been, has there been government help? Yeah, but it's minimal. Really? Um, yeah, it's really minimal. Um, I mean, they offered like 5,000 Hong Kong, which is, I don't know how many pounds, a few hundred pounds. Really? It's, it's not really going to help very much. Yeah. Um, people just need to work. And if they keep closing restaurants and, you know, my musician friends are dying. They, yeah. they, you know, no more live music. They, you know, they're, they're going to help deliver food. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, in order to, to make ends meet or they're working in kitchens or, you know, stuff like that. Not even restaurants um, because they're closed now. You know, I mean, at six anyway. But, yeah, it's just it's really difficult. And then, of course, the mood. Right. You know, nobody nobody sees the light at the end of the tunnel just yet. Yeah. I mean, we've you know, our government. Our government keep promising that you know there will be light at the end of the tunnel you know and, and they keep like pushing forward for you know that we've just had the vaccines the first vaccines here in the uk and stuff like that and people are 
uh, hoping upon hope upon hope that by April things will start to, you know, maybe by the summer we'll be able to start having outdoor parties again and then, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it is, it's, it's a challenging time. I mean, I don't think any of us could ever have expected you know, anything quite like this. I, I remember working at Heathrow thinking this place is recession proof because there's like a, a plane taking off and landing every 45 seconds. And now, now there's like four planes like a day. I mean, it, talk about decimating yeah. an industry, you know? Yeah. Um, and BA has been banned in Hong Kong for two weeks. Uh, recent starting, I think it was two days ago because uh, you have four COVID patients, uh, COVID pe yeah, patients that, were on board the plane from London to Hong Kong. Really? So they banned them for two weeks, yeah. Oh, so the next BA flight can only enter Hong Kong on Christmas Day, 25th of December. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, the world, could, you never could have predicted this. Uh, and it's, it's definitely been, been challenging. I mean, one of the things that's got us through here, to be completely honest, is golf. Um, yes. the, fa the fact that, yeah, golf has actually, uh, golf has actually got us through uh, a huge amount of of challenges, even when you know, we've not been able to socialise or not been able to go inside. The golf courses have pretty much stayed open. They shut for a month, I think, or six weeks back at the start of it. And they did shut again just in November, just gone. Um, but they have stayed open and on in the main. And it's been an absolute godsend, to be honest, for, for anyone. I've, I've got friends that you know, never seen a golf club before in their life. And they're just, just, just going to go and buy some and try and hit some balls because it's just like, just to get out of the house, you know? Um, but let's talk about, first of all, let's talk about, about Tiger Woods, because obviously you got to interview him and, uh, you know, so how was that? Where was that? Give me some detail. I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first time he actually was in China, hmm. um, with his father. Um, and yeah, there's 2001. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he came to Mission Hills in Sinjin, and we came down and interviewed him. Nice guy, um, um, you know, very proper. And you know, this was before, obviously, all the scandals broke. <laughs> he was still a young, young chap at that time. Uh, it was, what was interesting to me was uh, we were put in this uh, a function room. So we were sitting on one corner. His father was sitting at the back of the room, right, mm, mm. smoking. So I thought, gee, that's really, I always remember that. I mean, you know, here I am in interviewing one of the top athletes in the world. Presumably he's healthy. And his father sitting in the back of the room in a function room. It's not outdoors, it's indoor. Mm. Smoking in an air-conditioned room. I thought, wow, that was fascinating. I mean, to me anyway. I have nothing against what he did. I'm just saying, you know, it was just so contradictory in a way you know, that, that I remembered that. You think about some, I mean, I remember reading some of his early experiences as a young black kid trying to get into golf clubs. Um, and they just, they're just like, no, you know, and it's just, you know, that kind of thing, you know, that sexism that you, you felt, you know, in the racism that, you know, we all have a journey, don't we? We'll have a journey. We all have things to overcome. We all have like tests to like, you know, to, to get through. And uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, commitment, desire, focus, you know, think of you like, you know, learning those lines for eight hours. Think of, you know, him out there, you know, hitting his, hitting his seven iron, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I've, I've also interviewed Anika Sorensen and, you know, a couple of the Korean uh, PGA ladies as well. Wonderful. Just, you know, I mean, I mean, the tip Anika Sorensen gave me was very simple. I said, you know, obviously you've got to ask her for a tip, right? Yeah. All, all she said was, look at the ball. And at first I thought, 
look at the ball. I, 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 I'm always looking I, at it. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I actually don't look at the ball a lot of times like I should. Yeah. Right. So therefore, sometimes you top the ball and, you know, sometimes you duff it and stuff. And I'm like, why? Why would it do wrong? My arms are straight. You know, I'm turning. And it's because I'm, you know, I'm looking up like that. Right. Rather yeah. than keeping, you know, looking at the ball and then that split second that you, you, you look up, you duff the ball or you top it. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty good advice. I like. I always try and I always try and train myself to just be looking down, you know, well after I've hit it, and then try and get my playing partners to make sure that they're keeping an eye on it, you know. Yeah, um, you see. Because it could good, go anywhere. Good, good. It, it well, could go anywhere. Have, it could go anywhere. Like a very look, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So um, uh, what? The, yeah. So uh, I'm going to tell you one of my friends actually gave me a quick tip with golf as well with my driving. It's really improved it in the last few months. My my friend Chris Roberts. Um, he's uh, he's the son of a quite famous uh, acting actor here in the UK, um, and um, he uh, he told me just to drop when I'm driving, just to drop my my right foot back a little bit. So you think you'd be standing straight, you know, both feet straight straight down, but actually I've yeah. just put my right foot back a little bit, and the ball just—it's beautiful. I'm I'm so happy. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to try. Our courses are closed now, but when they reopen, I'll try that. The right foot back a bit, right? Yeah, just right foot back, just just a little bit, not 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 silly foot. Just so you're not absolutely square on. Just the right foot back a little bit, so you kind of like almost like flowing through the ball. It, honestly, it's made a massive difference to me. I've had. I've had seven knee operations um, because of uh, in, in the last few years I, because of my disease in my body. Right, um, I've had these seven knee operations, so they've slowed me down a little bit, if I'm honest. Right, uh, but at the same time, he spotted that in you know I'm not moving as easily as I should, um, and he he just spotted that, and I love I love him for it. So I must say thank you to Chris for 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 that little hot tip there. So um, well, thank so look, him too. Yeah, yeah. Right. Try it. Just try your right foot back a little bit and then come through the ball. It's, it's a good one. It's a real good one. Thank you. So, so any uh, time flies. It's flying by. I can't believe it. Um, before we go, before we go, um, you know that whole piece about moving outside of your comfort zone. Lots of people struggle with it. So many people struggle with it. You know, I, I've managed to do it. This book this book is is moving me massively outside of my comfort zone to be honest um and uh, i'm just interested in sort of advice and tips you would have for people to sort of face their fears and, and go for things what would you what would you say on that yeah i mean you know if you're passionate about something mark and, and i'm sure you can relate to this nothing can stand in your way mm. nothing no no knee operation, no illness, um, no family loss. You know, I mean, of course, it, it, it's a step back and you feel it, but nothing nothing stands in your way. And, and if I were to be 30 again or 25 again, you know, I, I, would, I would do exactly what I did when I was 25 and 30 years old. Um, only thing, of course, like I said in the beginning of the interview, is I, I would have spent more time uh, with my parents. Yeah, but other than that, if you're talking about career, go for it. You've got nothing to lose. We've only got one life. We've only got one chance. And when you miss it, you lost it. But you can always get it back if you fight hard enough and you try hard enough. People, I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but I find a lot of the younger generation now uh, uh, expect a lot. 
they, they expect to be given a lot, like as if they're owed something in life. Gosh, I wish I had that opportunity when I was young. I had to earn every single thing I got. I, I wasn't given anything, nothing. Uh, you know, not to say my parents weren't poor, but they weren't filthy rich. But, you know, it's it's not giving materialistically necessarily. It's giving in emotion, it's given in support. You know, it's given in all kinds of different ways that are not monetary in value. But that is so important when you're growing, especially when you're growing into your career, right? And, and that's, that's what I think. So, you know, um, we all have got to push. We've all got to push in our comfort zone. We all, there's definitely something that's going to happen in your life, you know, um, that's going to make you rethink your life, what you do, your job, everything. And that's when the time comes when you really have to sit down and get to know yourself and know if you really, really want it. Because if you really, really want it, you'll get it done. I have faith. That, I mean, uh, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. I, was, I mean, you know, I almost just want to end. I almost just want to end the interview now. So that was amazing. But yeah, I mean, look, that was beautiful. That was that was a fantastic thing. I mean, for me, uh, you're talking about obviously people just feel like the the world owes them a living, and I think in some ways I might have fallen into that trap a bit when I was younger. But when I got taught that the way we earn money is by giving service and adding value, and a lot of the words you used just then about about faith. You know, having faith in yourself to start with, you know, if you if you want the rest of the world to have faith in you, then you, you damn well better have faith in yourself first. Right. Yeah. Um, and but I think have yourself first. Yeah, always, 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 always get yourself first. Um, you know, get yourself right. And then it's, it's the same with relationships, any business relationship, any work, anywhere. It's um, it's a, it's an important thing to do. And so many people miss it, I think, a lot of the time, you know. Yeah. But you, you seem to be on the right on the right path, Mark. I'm happy for you, really. I hope one day I can meet you, but I'm very happy to speak to you and I'm very happy to hear your journey because it's not ended yet and it's it's far from ended and it's taking you, as you said, in another another, you know, another uh, another path. And that's that's important. You've got you've got the soul and you need to have the soul to continue. Otherwise it's so easy to give up. It's it's easy to give up. It's hard to fight. Very easy to give up. It's really kind of you to say that. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, I uh, I decided that the purpose of life is a life of purpose. I read that uh, wise quote, and I just I just decided to give my purpose. It used to be just music. It was music, 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 music. And then when I realised actually my purpose could be much wider than that to bring joy to people. I love bringing joy to people. Joy, knowledge, inspire, create. I love doing that. So as long as I can do those things, music can be a part of that. But actually, this book can be a part of it. Uh, these talks can be a part of it. You know, there's so much that you can do when you've got that, that life of purpose. And um, you, Lorraine, certainly have a life of purpose. And I, I'm really going to, I want to track you what happens in 2021. I want to see where you, where you end up next. I mean, is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Is there anything being planned at the moment for you for 2021? Mm, there, there are a couple that um, projects that were supposed to be this year, but they put it to September 2021 or spring of 2021. I, I'm just not holding my breath. I, I just have to wait. Yeah. To, to say anything now would be preemptive. So I, I'd rather not. No, yeah. Course, yeah. Hope for the best, you know, as long as you, your family, me, my family, everybody, we have our health, we have mm. our brains, we still can do stuff, you know, no worries. 
I'd this say, thing will pass. Exactly will right. Pass. Exactly right. I'd say health is wealth. Um, and uh, health is wealth. And yeah, this too shall pass, definitely. definitely. Yes. Yeah. Right, Lorraine. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, no, thank, thank you. you. Uh, it's, been, it's been fascinating. Um, from Elton John, Henry Kissinger, <laughs> Tiger Woods to Mark Wilkinson and Lorraine Hahn. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, but but there's so many messages in there that you've shared that are going to help a lot of people, um, a lot of people that, that are listening in and tune into these. Um, as I say, I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Take care. Thank you. For your information, we need more you help the situation.
Hi, it's Mark Wilkinson here, author of Life Remixed. Are you currently feeling stuck in your life with nowhere to go? Then it's definitely time to remix your life. The book is out now on Amazon across the world. It's been endorsed by Bob Proctor and Marcy Scheimer from The Secret, as well as some wonderful, wonderful people. You can also log on to markwilkinsonofficial.com, sign up, stay updated. We can help you take control of your life. Big, big love. Life Remixed.